1: Everybody, This is Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast and absolutely thrilled to have the guest that we have today. You have heard me say it. He is the greatest NFL writer of all time. Many people concur with that. He is the man that NFL owners and general managers would call before drafts because he's the perfecter of the draft board. Now, many mock drafts. Most people credit him as the inventor of it. He would argue with you and say, no, that's not true. Well, he's the one that perfected it to the point that NFL owners, general managers would call him before the draft, during the draft. Um, he votes in the NFL Hall of Fame. One of the most respected football minds ever. In fact, he is the reason that I became a sports journalist. <laughs> Add to that. He is now one of my dearest friends. And when you can have a guy who's a hero, who becomes a friend, and you're not disappointed, about his character, his integrity, uh, him and I have been arm-in-arm arm with each other as we've gone through struggles in our life. And I I not only respect him, I love him dearly. You know him, the one and only, the greatest NFL writer ever, Rick Goslin. Rick, thanks for joining us again, my friend. I know, always my pleasure, but you already know that. I appreciate you so much. Okay, first, I've got to dig in on, on several issues with you. But I have been talking for years about the quality of NFL officiating. Now, you and I are friends with some NFL refs. Right. I'm very close. Dean Look, who you know well, Spartan. Um, but I'm friends with uh, you know some current ref uh, officials. I wouldn't say referees, but officials. It's terrible. There is a lot of talk about make them full-time. I don't know that I agree with that because when I talk to the officials who I'm friends with now, they're like, Hondo, we're already working full-time. We're It's not going to make a difference. We're already watching film. We're doing meetings. So I've said I would like to add another official but up in a box where they have immediate ability to review anything and anything that's called that can be – overturned that they have that ability get them the ability and software to go quickly like other sports do but something has to be done and i'm going to tell you why i'm bringing this up now we've been talking about this for years and for months since the beginning of the season but i had an nfl excuse me a casino executive recently tell me if the nfl doesn't do something It's going to hurt them because at some point we're going to have to consider taking NFL stuff off the board and they can't afford that. They need us with the betting component to help them. Your thoughts on the whole mess. I know you're the guy that used to, who used to talk about rating officials. I know coaches who've told me in college basketball, college football, and the pros, they scout the refs and game plan around them. Rick, you're one of the most brilliant minds in, NFL, in the NFL. How does this get fixed?
0: Well, I I think the, the problem is there's a complete lack of consistency. You've got 17 crews, and all of them seem to seem, see the game differently. Uh, and some crews call a lot of penalties. Some c- crews call few penalties. Some crews, home teams like some cruise visiting teams like, I think, now this is radical. Uh, I do think they need full-time officials. And if it was me, I would set up a home base in either Dallas or Chicago, probably Dallas because of the weather. And I'd have my officials live here year round. And what you do is they'd fly out to the game on Saturday, do the game, fly in back to Dallas Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Put all officials of all 17 crews in an auditorium and watch film of all the games, and and l- look at the penalties and try to see why one crew calls one thing, one crew uh, calls another, and try to get a consistency in the call. You're going to watch. You're going to have 17 crews watching a particular pass interference call. You can hash over that. Why why was that called? Should that have been a penalty? Shouldn't have been a penalty. Uh, the problem is. You know, your, your guy, Heidel, told you, yeah, they look at film, but they look at film with their own crew. They're not looking at the others. And I think you've got to look at all 17 crews and figure out what's a penalty and what's not a penalty and get them all on the same page. So then they, they spend three days there at Friday off, travel the game uh, Saturday, do the game Sunday, fly back Monday and then go back to work again. But I do think you've got to sit all these crews together and have them watch all the games at the same time and analyze. Oh, well,
1: that's a good point. You know, I wouldn't have thought of that, but I like that idea having them come together and watch every game. And then maybe even if there's something controversial, have the ref explain it to the others what he was seeing. Do exactly. you like that?
0: Exactly. I you yeah, you're you're gonna hold all the officials accountable. Are calls that were made, calls that weren't made. And I think you I think that's the only way you're going to develop is some consistency if you have all 17 crews sitting there watching the same games um, real time and going over all the calls. And the other th- thing I'd propose to make it better, the league rates the officials um, on calls they make and calls they don't make. at the end of the season, there's a grading system and puts together these all-star crews for The playoff, for the biggest games of the season, you're going to put together a crew that's never worked together. And I think that's not doing justice to the game. What I would do is I would have, instead of the league rating the officials, say after the 16th week, I'd ask the head coaches and general managers, which crews advance, and have the coaches and general managers vote on which crews get playoff games. And I think one – You'd, you'd, you'd foster a better relationship on, on the field between crews and coaches because the referees are now going to be beholden to the coaches in the game itself, not New York City, and, and the pe- people doing the grading. The, the NFL GMs and, and coaches know who the best crews are, and those are the ones they want to advance as a crew, not an all-star crew, as a crew, advance those crews to do the biggest games of the season.
1: That's absolutely phenomenal. All right, now I want to throw another one out. I know enough officials who I respect as men of character, sure. men that are good men. I don't believe in any way that the NFL is rigged. I'm I'm I want to make that very clear. But there are so many bad calls that they would you agree something has to happen. They've got to fix this and get this addressed immediately. Do you agree or no?
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think, uh, you're right. They're probably better served with an eye in the sky, uh, an official in the press box. Say, look at that was, that was not, a, that was not a bad, that was not a good call. Let's, let's re- revoke that penalty. Let's, uh, let's fix this. You can, you have the ability to fix it right now, uh, as opposed to having a bad call, uh, impact the entire game.
1: Right. I am going on a fishing trip in May with an NFL executive. You know who it is. I told you who mm-hmm. it is. And, um, We were talking about the trip a couple days ago, and I mentioned to him um, I was stunned, even though I would not hire Belichick, I was stunned that somebody out there didn't give Belichick an opportunity this year because he's the best coach in NFL history. He disagreed with me. He goes, I certainly think he's on the Mount Rushmore. He goes, I'm not saying he's not great. He says, but I don't think he's the greatest. He mentioned Andy Reid has done it with multiple quarterbacks. And he goes, and Joe Gibbs did it with three. And oh, by the way, none of Gibbs' Hall of Famer. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, I think, is going to be a Hall of Famer. I think that's a pretty big bet. Mm-hmm. And he talked about what Bella was only with one quarterback. I'm curious. You are friends with Andy and Bill. You know them. They're guys that you know personally. Respect them. What do you think of that executive's thoughts, and where do they sit in your opinion?
0: I think they're both great coaches. But if you look at the at, at the the coaches in the Hall of Fame, Paul Brown, one quarterback; Otto Graham, Vince Lombardi, one quarterback; Bart Starr, Chuck Noll one quarterback, Terry Bradshaw, Bill Walsh, one quarterback, Joe Montana, Jimmy Johnson, one quarterback, Troy Aikman, Bill Belichick, one quarterback, Tom Brady. The bulk of these Hall of Fame coaches were one one championship quarterback uh, coaches. And I think, as you know, the quarterback position is so key. And these guys all had Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I personally think that uh, Joe, what Joe Gibbs did is the most amazing. Mm-hmm. He won three Super Bowls without a single Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, Bill never won one without Brady, and Reed hasn't won one without Mahomes. Again, they're one championship players. because, uh, you know, Andy got there with Donald McNabb, but he didn't win there. So, again, these guys are all one. You, you, you almost have to judge the, the coach based on the quarterback but not so Gibbs and he did Ripon, uh Williams and uh, who am I drawing a blank here? Theismann. He did it with three guys, not in the hall of fame that haven't even come up in discussion for the hall of fame. That's great coaching. So I, I, I think, uh, and I've written things in the past. I think Joe Gibbs was the best ever.
1: Well, i want to turn to a Raider who a lot of people believe should be in the hall of fame. I think he should be there. Um, he's a guy that, to me, the game has evolved away from his position, and I think he's hurt because the game has changed. But that's Todd Christensen. Again, I think this guy should be there, but you're a Hall of Fame voter. Your your opinion is a million times more valuable than mine. What are your thoughts on him?
0: I think Todd Christensen is, is a player that deserves consideration, deserves, deserves discussion in the Hall of Fame. And that's the problem I have with the with the selection process. We don't cycle enough people through the room for whatever reason. Uh I know two of the factors. Seventy-five percent of all players in the Hall of Fame made all decade. Todd didn't make all decade. 64% won championships. Todd did win championships. But this is a guy who won two receiving titles. Uh he was in that 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 bridge era of tight ends that where they moved from blockers to pass catchers, Charlie Sanders, Ozzie Newsom, Kellen Winslow, Todd Christensen. And he's the one guy that's falling through the cracks. I, I think he belongs. You know, for the longest time, we didn't put tight ends in. And now with the explosion of numbers, you know, we're going to be looking at uh, Jason Witten's and the, uh, Travis Kelseys and the Rob Gronkowskis. And and Todd doesn't have numbers that, that, that rank with those players. But you have to understand the game changed. It's easier to pass now. You can't play defense. You can't hit these guys more than five yards down the field. I think uh, I, if Todd had made the all-decade team of the 1980s, I think his chances would have been better. But again, Ben, ben Coates was an all-decade tight end in the 1980s. He's never been discussed. He needs to be discussed. Todd Christensen needs to be discussed. Beat Retzlaff in the 1950s, maybe the first great tight end, needs to be discussed. There are a lot of tight ends right now that need to be discussed that are hall of fame, worthy players. And I think Todd Christian is among those.
1: Hmm. You are the perfecter of the modern NFL mock draft among media. I just put mine out and the way I do mine is I talk to as many NFL people as I can to get their, their input, where they think people are going. Um, I talk to scouts all the time who are telling me, boy, it, Raiders are giving a lot of attention to this person, that person. I talked to people in the building, outside the building, all of it. But you, you perfected it. Owners called you. General managers called you before the draft, during the draft. I'm not going to ask you to tell any names or stories that you can't tell. But at the height of your mock drafts, what was that like, your interaction with owners and general managers? Well, I was—I
0: was the one guy that was talking to all 32 teams. I had a network of about 130 people I was talking to, and I'm talking about uh, area scouts, personnel directors, general managers, assistant coaches, head coaches, an occasional owner, uh, even agents, trying to get a feel. Uh, you know, the, a lot of times the agents know who's looking at, at their players, and you, you try to talk to all these people. And get all these diverse opinions and try to put it all together and, and figure out not only a, a mock draft, but I had a, a full draft board. I'd have I'd research 600 players, and I try to figure out how the, how to stack one through 600. Now only what 255 of them were getting drafted. I had a lot of guys on my board that were not getting drafted, but I try to stack the entire board. And then you approach the mock because at that point now in April you're looking at the team needs. Uh, or, or they're picking, um, and you try to match it up with the value of player on the board. So if I had a tight end at, at 15 and a club needed a tight end at, at 14 or 16, I mean, I, it was easy to lock that guy in place there. Uh, it's a long process. I, would, I, I started at the, after, the, after the Super Bowl, I would research all the players that were on the Combine and I'd have an idea at the combine, you know, the, who the good players were, who the good players weren't, and start stacking a the board there, start making the calls. I there are times I'd be up at two o'clock in the morning. There times I'm calling coaches and scouts at, at five in the morning. Yeah, you know, these are, you know, tw- a lot of times twenty-hour work days trying to put all this information together. Uh, and, and at the bottom, you know, the bottom line, it was it was pretty, pretty good. Um, one GM told me they considered me the thirty-third team because I had the one consensus board and I shared information <laughs> with teams and they shared information with me. And a lot of times I got calls that last week, well, where, where do you have this guy? Well, why, why do you have him that low? Why do you have him that why? high? Why? And that's, uh, you know, and I give him the scouting reports that I had and, and you know, they would, they would take it and what they want with it.
1: You were so well respected around the league, and one man that respected you, and you respected him. I don't think it was friendship, but it was mutual respect. Was Al Davis? What stood out to you the most about Al?
0: I think Al had a, a spirit of fair play, and I think you saw it with his dealings with the league, with his dealings with his team, with his team, his dealings with opponents. Uh, I think Al had great respect for. The opponents. I think he respected the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Chargers, uh, because he was competing with them. He didn't necessarily have to like them, but he respected them. And I think Gal had, had he dealt everybody fairly with a, with a with a healthy dose of res, dose of respect, even the media.
1: Hmm. Well, I don't have your connections, but I try to follow your example with my mock drafts, and you are certainly the best that there is. He is the one and only I, I last question for you Here, and Amy Trask is a person that obviously the first female president of a team. She was Al's right hand lady for so long. What was your impression of Amy Trask when she, you know, worked with Al and then ran the Raiders?
0: <laughs> she was one of a kind, one of a kind. She, I think she was the glue to that organization. You know, Al's out doing his thing and you got the coaches and the players and, and Amy was the one stable factor in, in the front office that kind of held the whole thing together. I think she could she could she could talk to Al. She could tell Al you know, if, if something was wrong, something was right. I think he, he, she had the same acts with the co- with the head coach. Uh, again, she, if she felt something was wrong, something was right. She was she was unique. She was different. She She held the whole thing together, I think.
1: I don't think a person should get in the Hall of Fame just because of, you know, she's the first woman. But I am curious. Do you think she belongs in Canton?
0: Yeah, I'm not a person that says a person belongs, doesn't belong, but I do think she needs discussion. And I think a lot of people, a lot more people need discussion than we're seeing. We're talking, I'm talking coaches, players, executives, executives. anybody that impacted the game, you know, we, we put the, the Sables, Steve and Ed Sable in for the contributions they made to NFL films, which helped grow the game. Uh, I think Amy certainly deserves discussion um, because she was the first and because the quality of work that she did with the Raiders, that was that that's a championship franchise. Um, Again, I, I, there's so many people that need discussion and Amy is in that group that needs discussion.
1: Awesome. He is a living legend that you get the privilege of hearing from i get the privilege of calling him my friend and mentor i love it every deep dive article every big article i do he looks at it he'll make suggestions he edits i mean the guy is i'm i do what i do because of him my father honored him my father revered him and so i got that refer, that that reverence for him and then To have one day met him and then him become a friend, I can tell all of you, as great of a writer as Rick Goslin is, he's an absolutely better human being. I'm a better person because he's in my life. I love him dearly. Rick, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for being so gracious with your time. Hold on, if you would. I want to tell you something real quick. Remember, that's the great Rick Goslin. I'm Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast. You can find me on X, formerly known as Twitter at Hondo Carpenter and on Instagram at Hondo SR. Thanks everybody. This has been the Las Vegas Raiders Insider production on the fans' first sports network) Whoa.